At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Well, let's pray together. Father, I'm so thankful for this time now to be in your Word together. I pray that you would speak to us, Lord. May your Holy Spirit fill our hearts and teach us what you have us to know. Lord, encourage us challenge us, convict us, and transform us. In this moment, Lord, we also pray for those that are are struggling today. We pray for those that need healing. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to them in a powerful way. For those who are doubting today, Lord, will you increase their faith as they face the questions of life. For those who are worried Lord, I pray you'd build into them a confidence in you. For those that are struggling and they're wayward, Lord, I pray you'd draw them back, that you'd whisper their name and call them, Lord, close to yourself again. We just ask, Lord, that we wouldn't just go through this time in your word and come out of it the same we we entered, but Lord, we want to be changed. We want to be more like you. So speak to us today and change our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I've got a question for you this morning. Have you ever upset an extraordinarily kind and gracious person? I tell you, it kind of freaks you out when you do. I put my grandpa Stuart in that category of kind and gracious. Now, my grandma was kind of anxious and worried, but my grandpa seemed to just always be the opposite. Nothing seemed to throw him, which is why it was deeply troubling when, as a little kid, I watched him get frustrated with me. In his basement, he had this slot car racetrack, one of those miniature cars that ride along, powered by this way-too-touchy trigger. I remember being about six or seven, and, and I remember how hard it was to keep up with my brother in his race car without my car flying off the track. And actually, it was about like the 15th or 22nd time of it flying off the track when I'm laughing hysterically as it does that Grandpa's patience ran out. And when I saw him get upset, my eyes went wide and I had this unforgettable experience of, oh no, even Grandpa gets upset. Well, how do you get under the skin of the most gracious man who ever lived? The one who epitomizes love, described as full of grace and truth. Of course, I'm referring to Jesus. Well, today, we're going to look at a story when Jesus' expectations exceeded the response that he received. Not because he was short-tempered or grumpy, but The details of the story imply that Jesus was quite disappointed by the response of nine out of ten of the men that he had healed. Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. Luke records this story in chapter 17. It begins in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem. So, now, first of all, Why is he going to Jerusalem? 
Well, it was approaching the time for the Passover feast. This would have been a pretty busy road as whoever was physically able would begin to prepare for their annual trip to Jerusalem. But this one, this Passover, would change the world. This is the third Passover recorded in Jesus' ministry since his baptism. And this Passover would be different than all the rest. In a few verses later in chapter 18, Jesus pulls his disciples aside and he says to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be fulfilled. I'll be delivered over to the Gentiles, will be mocked and beaten, shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. So Jesus knew that this journey was significant. While everyone else thought it was just another Passover season, Jesus knew this would be a Passover like none other. Let's keep reading. Verse 11. On his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, obviously, the reputation of Jesus had preceded, preceded him. Ten men with leprosy came out to meet him. Now, leprosy was a dreadful disease. You feel like corona uh, causes people to, to get their shivers? I'm telling you. Leprosy was dreaded. There were probably many different forms and ailments that fell under that general category of leprosy. There seemed to be a temporary variety. Maybe this would be like our present-day shingles. For instance, painful, blistery conditions that, given time, would fade away and normal skin would return. But other leprosy would be a lifelong terminal condition. Nerve endings would die. Infections and disfigurements would come, and it was terribly contagious. The law of Moses required that if a person was suspected of leprosy, he had to go show it to the priest. And the priest, if he felt like it was possibly leprosy, would put him into isolation, causing him to require him to live outside of the village for seven days. Now, after seven days, he could go back to the priest. And if the priest saw improvement, he would be allowed to go back into the village and live with his family. If he assumed to have a terminal condition after the third exam, if he had not improved, he was forced to now leave the village for good. It was only after this third failed exam that lepers would join in with the community of lepers that were in their region. Now, they certainly wouldn't want to contaminate themselves if they had the temporary condition, but once they considered themselves hopeless, they would do whatever they needed to do to survive, including finding a community with others in this similar horrendous condition. 
So if they were Jew or Samaritan, at that point, it didn't really matter. When you had terminal leprosy, it was good just to have friends, someone to talk to, people to help in the frantic attempt to just stay alive. They would have already tried all the balms and the ointments and nothing had worked. So they resigned themselves to living in misery together. But with these 10 lepers, that's when the rumors began. They had heard about this maverick, unorthodox rabbi named Jesus from Nazareth. He was drawing large crowds, and part of his appeal was his ability, apparently, to heal the sick. Someone even claimed he had been healed of leprosy. Now, that hadn't happened since Elijah, 700 years ago. But healing the sick was a sign of the Messiah. And this guy, this Jesus, he didn't heal everyone, but everyone he had attempted to heal became well. So when they heard that Jesus was coming to their town, maybe, just maybe, there was hope for them. So as the traveling caravan came into view, verse 13 says, They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, I didn't read that with due justice. They had shouted this. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, shouting wasn't uncommon for the lepers. And the fact the law required that they shout when people came close. They were to shout unclean, unclean, because of how contagious their condition was. But now, what they shouted was different. Master, have mercy. Now, that Master, that was a title that the disciples of a rabbi would use. They had never met this teacher. And yet, shout to him they did. And then Jesus, maybe to their surprise, shouts back. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, why would they do that? Well, according to Jewish law, only the priest could declare a person healed of leprosy. The only way they could ever re-enter society in the Jewish context was, was for a priest to declare them as clean, as healed. So when Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest, they went. They could have looked at each other and laughed and scoffed and kept begging for Jesus to heal them. But Jesus gave them a way to express faith. And as they went, the blessing came. As they went, they were cleansed. You see, a first lesson we see in this passage is that following Jesus is God's call for us because his word can be trusted. We follow Jesus because his word can be trusted. Faith is obeying because of confidence in his words or in his promises. 
not obeying because I see, but obeying and following because I believe. The fulfillment may not have happened yet, but because he has said it, I believe it. And this is consistently God's desire for us. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that it is impossible to please God without faith. I mean, think of how faith was expressed all throughout the story of the scripture. There was Noah. Noah built the ark. Not because it started to rain. Noah built the ark because of God's instruction. Think of Abraham. God called Abram to leave his homeland and go to the land that God would show him. And so he went. Not because he knew where he was going, but his faith in what God said, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. Think of Joshua as he led the march around Jericho. And he didn't march because he hoped that the pounding of the feet would shake the walls down. But he marched because God told him to. We respond to people that hurt us. We respond to evil with good. Not because we know how it's all going to work out. But we do that because the teachings of Jesus we found to be reliable. I speak truth and refuse to lie, not because it's all going to be easier, but because this is how I've been instructed by the way and the truth and the life. Jesus gave the instruction, go show yourself to the priests. So they went to show themselves to the priest, following Jesus because his word can be trusted. Now, somewhere along the way, we don't really know how long they had been walking back to town, but I can just see, I can imagine Jesus keeping his eyes on them with a little twinkle in his eye, and then the miracle takes place. Their decaying flesh was restored, their clothes still ragged and dirty, but their bodies free of the disease. Can't you picture their excitement? Uh, these men probably acted like little boys, jumping and laughing and hugging each other. And then they, they stopped and realized, we got to go show ourselves to the priest before we wake up from this incredible dream. So they ran to the priest. Better get there before something changes. Except for one. Verse 15. Verse 15 says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his feet, face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? How do you get under the skin of the most gracious man that ever lived? Well, clearly there's a difference between being grateful and expressing gratitude. No, no doubt all ten were grateful, but only one 
expressed gratitude to the benefactor of the life-altering gift of healing. Now, if this were just an isolated case, we could all wag our heads and say, unbelievable, how could they have done such a thoughtless thing? But this scene is played out over and over, even in tragically in our lives, I'm afraid. Now, I love that our nation continues to celebrate this holiday of Thanksgiving. I mean, this was our first officially declared national holiday to pause and to feast and to give thanks. But how many on this Thanksgiving season are content to be grateful without acknowledging the one who provides? Many are grateful, but few acknowledge the one who loved the world and gave himself to save it. The one that actually gives life. How few actually pause to call out his name and to give credit to the one who is the giver of all good gifts. Secondly, the second truth we learn in this story is we need to thank Jesus because he provides generously. Jesus was seemingly embracing this moment as an illustration for those that watched and those that would read this story of how much of the world had received him. In John chapter 6, he says to the crowd, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. This is the work of God, that you believe on him who he has sent. In other words, Jesus says, I've done all these wonderful things so that you would be united with me, so that you would believe in me. Now, being leprosy free may seem to me the best thing in the world for people to have leprosy, but the reality is that each of them are still going to die from something sometime. Then what? So what does Jesus say to this man? He says to him, Rise and go your way, for your faith has made you well. Literally, your faith has saved you. It's the same word that other places are translated as salvation. The other nine may have the benefit of a few years of good health, but this man went away assured of salvation. He was made whole, not just his body, but his soul. He could be assured of eternity with God, and this is the kingdom of heaven. This is what was on the heart of Jesus as he preached the gospel throughout those three and a half years of his ministry. The third truth we learn from this story is this. Worship Jesus because only he offers salvation. This man, the Samaritan, he's the one that responded to the healer in worship and experienced eternal wholeness and salvation. 
which causes us to ask ourselves that question, what's my response to Jesus? You see, some know Jesus by reputation. You've heard good things he's done, you've heard the stories, you've celebrated the holidays, but you admit that there's something special about him, but it hasn't really gone further than that. Some know Jesus by experience. And there's no doubt that God's done something special for you. I've had people tell me, there's no doubt that someone was watching me. The man upstairs had to have something to do with this. And he certainly does. I mean, it's, it's a way he introduces us to himself many times. But God desires so much more than for you to receive a random act of kindness from the divine. Some know Jesus by personal relationship. One man out of the ten expressed gratitude to the person and worshipped him. Jesus then points out this man from the rest of them to all those that were with them. Jesus says, this guy gets it. He understands that the important thing in this situation is not that he's been healed of leprosy, but that he has encountered the healer. Oh, I know God has good things for you. We've had our share of heartache, but there's no denying that there are things in our life that can only be explained by God's care for us. How have we responded Have we turned to Jesus, turning away from the things that you trusted before? And have you acknowledged him as Savior and Lord? This ultimate, generous gift of love was expressed to you as Jesus willingly went to the cross. And he took on himself all of your sin He stepped into your place and accepted your guilt on himself. And he paid the price that you and I deserved. He did that so we can be set free. So that you can know and I can know this healing God personally. And we can spend eternity with him. So let me ask you, has there been a time in your life when you have embraced this person that offers eternal life? You know, you can, you can receive him right now. You can pray in faith and profess to him in your heart that you believe that he truly is the son of God who paid the price for your salvation. And turning from your sin and accepting his offer to become part of his family. The Bible says that whoever comes to him, he will in no way cast out. So have you received him today? And do you trust his word enough to obey it? Has the Holy Spirit maybe pointed out an area in your life in which you continue to refuse to trust him and obey him? And maybe there's a, 
a habit or a, a life issue that God continues to point to in your life, but you just don't think you can live without it. Maybe it's a critical spirit or a complaining attitude. Maybe you wonder, will your spouse really blossom without your nagging? Can you really trust God's instruction to speak only words that build up and encourage? Maybe God's call to give regularly and generously to his work has been a struggle for you. And despite his instruction, you just can't imagine how you could get through a month financially if you gave to him out of your first fruits. But listen to the words of Malachi chapter 3. He says through the prophet, he says, Bring the tithe into the storehouse and put me to the test to see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God says, trust me. If I call you to, to follow me, trust that my words are reliable and, and follow. Secondly, thank Jesus. He's the giver of all the good gifts. He's generously providing for us every day. Sure, this is Thanksgiving, so I'm, I'm hoping that we'll all take time to give a thankful message to God, whether in prayer, maybe you sing a song, maybe you go around the Thanksgiving table and share with one another what you're thankful for. But would you carry that spirit of Thanksgiving with you every day of your life? And will you worship Jesus? He's offered to you salvation. He's offered this to everyone that's hearing this message. He's provided this truth to you, but it does no good unless you receive it. Has it been a time in your life when you said yes to God, that you've come back to him, you've fallen at his feet in faith and received his gift of salvation? Do it today. So let's be like the one who gave thanks to the one who provided everything he needed. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for your word that can speak in such a timely way. Thank you for giving us such vivid stories as Jesus walked on this earth. Lord, that we could learn generation after generation these important concepts and principles in which to live. But Lord, most of all, we thank you for the way that he provides salvation for all those who trust in him. Lord, I pray that there would be somebody today that this would be the day of their salvation. Lord, may they call out to you right now in faith, inviting you to cleanse them of their sin, and to make them your child. Thank you for all your blessings, Lord. We give you praise for it. We, we commit ourselves to being people of thanksgiving that will repeatedly come back to the one who provided for us and call out your name and give credit to you, who is the giver of all good gifts. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. 
Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.